Hey everyone, it's Lunix. Welcome back to Queer Radio. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Still going, still going strong. Um, honestly, thank you so much for folks that have been receptive to like the content that I've been putting out on my podcast. Um, I've been like, what's the right word? experimenting with like the right type of podcast episodes that I want to do or like talk about certain things on certain episodes of the podcast um, whether that be like personal um, societal cultural you know this that or the other thing Um, so I just want to say like thank you so much and thank you so much for like the people that have been like messaging me and like even like random strangers I don't even know. Um, I had a really nice message from um, the anchor voice memo thing. So I'm going to shout out that person a little bit later in the podcast today and just like talk about like what that means and why I do what I do. And like no matter how many people listen or no no matter how many followers I have or I don't have, like I'm still going to do this because at the end of the day, it's something that I want to do regardless of if I have the following or the platform or the resources to always make it what I want to make it. Um, So yeah, I just want to say thank you. So today's episode is really just talking about um, Pride Month. So June historically um, has been known and is known as Pride Month, specifically for the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, And I really want to talk about like how this month was different than like last month and like the year before that because I haven't been out like a long time. I've only been out since like I was 21 years old, about, <laughs> give or take, <laughs> a couple days. Um, so I haven't been like out of the closet for a really long time, but I've always known that I was different than other people since like a very early age. But I didn't start like feeling comfortable or accepting myself until like college. So that's like, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20. And then 21 was when I came out as, you know, one identity. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of years now, now I have a new name, pronouns, <laughs> new identities. And it I feel more myself every single day. Um, and I also have changed like my gender expression. I've also changed a gender marker on like a legal form. So it's, it's pretty cool how like far I've come and how much I still have to experience um, in my community. So it's, it's really amazing. Uh, so today I just want to talk about like Rainbow Capitalism. Like the name of this episode is called Rainbow Capitalism as well as Animal Crossing (laughs) New Horizons. (laughs) But we'll talk about that later too. Um, But I really wanted to talk about Pride Month because now, (laughs) if you've noticed, if you've noticed, but a lot of corporations um, are using like the Pride flag in their logos or in their merchandise or in their um, advertisements or in their media campaigns or everywhere, just across social media, across mediums like TV, radio, you know, the internet. Um, And you've seen like an increase of like influencers or activists actually being spokespersons or being partnered with organizations or brands Because now these corporations are realizing, they're realizing the consumer 
ability of the com- of the community, you know? The commodification of identity can actually be profitable. And that's where rainbow capitalism comes into play because these businesses, they don't care about who we are, how we identify. What they care about is make money and they want to increase their bottom dollar. So they understand, hey, if society historically, has been set up within this binary, this heteronormative patriarchy. What if we, just just for shits and giggles, so why don't we have a marketing campaign dictated, or not dictated, but um, directed at the LGBT community? What if we just had an LGBT affirming ad? Would that increase revenue? Would that increase my dollar? Would that increase my profits? And the answer is yes. I mean, why do they stop? Why aren't they stopping? Because they're making money. And honestly, honestly, the gag is, the gag is, like, Pride is celebrated 365 days, 24-7 for folks in the community. I understand that there might be LGBTQI plus staff members at these corporations that have fought the fight or advocated for the community internally. That's the hope. That's the goal. That's the rainbow idea of it. But we know, but we know that these corporations don't give one flying shit about people of color. They don't give a fuck about trans women of color, specifically marginalized trans women of color that are still experiencing poverty, that are still ex- experiencing homelessness. They don't give a fuck. They're like, oh, you you like rainbows? Rainbow. Rainbow shirt. Rainbow purse. Rainbow shoes. Rainbow belt. Rainbow earrings. Rainbow glitter. And we're going to keep all the money. Because Morphe, Morphe, is an organization that did release Pride brushes and Pride palette on their website, and 100% of those proceeds went to the Trevor Project. Now, that's effective, because it's not only you're giving back to the community, but you're not taking any money from the community. Because Pride, here's the gag, here's the gag, Pride Month is when people should be giving the community money. Not, not the other way around. Pride Month should not be the community giving people that are not in the community or who have not given to the community money because that's not what Pride Month is. Pride Month is by the community for the community and ultimately empowering the community to advocate for folks in the community, advocate for our rights, equality, you know, this, 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 and that, and the other thing. So it's like people... People really think that it's fun. Like, it's a game. Like, oh, oh I'm just going to put a rainbow for one month. <laughs> Here comes July when I'm going to change my logo back to my normal logo because that's, that's the gaze, you know? We're not normal. We got one month, and then we have people in Boston who have just been approved for a straight pride because apparently straight people need prides because they're scared. They're like, oh my God, gay people have a whole month. I, I'm, I, I want a pride. I want a parade. I want, I want people to notice me. Shut the fuck up. People notice you 365 days a year. Literally, I was at Target yesterday. I had my hoops, you know, fucking Latina over here. Fucking, I was going to the bathroom because I need to go to the bathroom after work. And this guy like exits the bathroom and then I'm entering the bathroom. And then he was like, oh, sorry, miss. I'm sorry. Is it because I have long hair? Is it because I have hoop earrings that you somehow associate women with long hair and hoop earrings? I mean, you could have just not. And I was just like, 
I'm still going to go in this bathroom. That's still not the correct gender because this is a male bathroom. <laughs> you know, it's a men's bathroom. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. So, honestly, that's a mess. That is all a mess. Um, but I do want to highlight, like, some incredible people or some incredible movements um, that I've been noticing this past month and, like, how me being someone in the community that works at an agency that helps the community, advocates for the community, and provides direct services for the community, how that has, like, changed my perspective on the community in terms of, like, how do we help folks in the community better, um, so yeah, rainbow capitalism, it's just a marketing scheme. Let's find out, um, if in July, in a couple days from now, um, if they're just going to turn back their logos, if they're not going to advocate for the community, if they're not going to partner with LGBT, um, individuals, because pride does not stop at June. And I really hope that these corporations that are taking all our money, well, not all our money, because I haven't bought like rainbow capitalism in a while i've had people buy rainbow capitalism and then give it to me and i'm like well i mean that's your dollar i mean i would have really loved for you to be more than just a consumer and then actually reinvest in the community but but i'll take it (laughs) but i'm not paying for it i'll take it and i'll repurpose it um and that's okay um but we just have to do better we have to be smarter we have to be wiser like it's 2019 like climate change is real like we can't just be like oh i don't know oh i think it's fine oh i think it's fine like no sweetie it's not fine it's not fine none of it's fine nothing is fine here we're not fine we are literally dying and burning to death Ah. yikes um so like pride month there was a lot of pride activities that i did this year that i didn't do last year um, some of the same things, some of the different things. So last year I went to a lot of, a lot more pride festivals. So that was like, you know, like nightlife type pride. So I went to like Venice pride last year, didn't go to Venice pride this year. Um, I went to Dyke day last year as a employee, um, tabling and providing resources and like more information, um, to survivors of violence, um, in the LGBT community. And so that was really cool working with a coworker that I respect and continually respect. And um, they're just doing amazing work. <laughs> so I'm always really proud about that for them. Um, but this year I went with like a newer friend. I've only known them for like seven months. Um, but they're also a mutual friend from my coworker who tabled with me last year. And so like we know about each other. We just didn't know that we didn't know each other. So like we knew stuff about each other. Um, and now like we're good friends and like, um, so now it's really cool. So when I was there at the, um, event, which is Dyke Daily, um, and it's super like, it's really queer. It's femme friendly. It's family friendly. And it's just a different environment. I think juxtaposing it from like the LA pride March. Um, cause I didn't go to the festival. I just went to the parade, the LA, excuse me. Sorry. I'm, I just had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So if I burp at all, my man, <laughs> my man, <laughs> girls gotta eat, you know, girls gotta eat. Um, so all of that, <laughs> all of that conversation that I just brought up, um, 
So it's just really important to just be more knowledgeable about a lot of these things um, and a lot of these companies, a lot of these topics. I mean, I just shared something on my um, Instagram story. So if you're following me on Instagram, really great. I don't really post on my feed um, all the time because I have some insecurities because I've had past relationships or I've been involved with past people where like I post something and then they get all mad and offended by it and then I get really insecure and then I freak out because trauma. So anyway, (laughs) anyway... I posted something recently um, on my Instagram story. Of course, my internet is taking forever to load. Thank you. So we see that some organizations, some really big organizations, um, AT&T donated over $2 million to 193 anti-gay politicians. Um, UPS donated over $2 million to 159 anti-gay politicians. Comcast donated over $2 million to over 154 anti-gay politicians. And this is, this is all politicians, so I'm just not going to say continually say that. It's just that's implied. So Home Depot, $1.8 General Electric, $1.3 million. FedEx, $1.2 million. UBS, $1.09 million. <laughs> so a little more than a million. Um, Verizon donated a little more. Uh, than a million dollars, and P Fizzer. I don't know if that's or just Fizzer. I don't know if the P is silent. Also, I've never heard that organization before. Um, they donated almost a million dollars, so nine hundred fifty-nine thousand um, dollars. It's a good thing that I'm switching my <laughs> phone company. Um, hopefully soon. So I'm in a contract right now um, with Verizon. So I'm almost done with that, and then I'm gonna switch over to the Google network. So that's really awesome. Shout out to Google. Um, Just want to let Verizon know. Do better. Do better. Um, Let me see. What else? Oh, um, in the city of Santa Clarita, um, the city hall this past Thursday on the 25th basically proclaimed that June is Pride Month and will continually be Pride Month um, celebrated in the city of Santa Clarita Valley. Um, So that's really awesome. Um, really, really kudos to the, to the city. So that was really cool. Um, it's really, it kind of reminded me, um, I went to a local, um, pride event there. It was like the pride picnic. It's not the first like queer, um, like, you know, event at Santa Clarita or in Santa Clarita, but it was the first like family event for LGBT families and like PFLAG was hosting it with Queer Santa Clarita Valley, Um, also some funding from Boston Scientific. And so what really, really was eye-opening was how important small prides are, how important the little things are, how important like safe space is. I think a lot of people, and I'll just speak for myself, like I take for granted what that means or that true meaning of safe space. You know, I'm, I work in an agency that affirms me, that supports me, um, that allows me the opportunity to empower myself and people in the community and advocate for people in the community, um, and make sure their needs are being met. So I have that safe space, but sometimes I always, I always 
forget to realize that there's other people in this world that don't have that. I remember in college, I I had a job um, as an executive producer of a sports department um, for Cal State University Northridge. I love that department and I love that job. It was a great job. I had a really great boss. Um, I had really great coworkers. The problem wasn't them. It was just the environment. You know, for me, I just didn't feel comfortable. Masculinity for me is really uncomfortable for me. I'm still learning how to navigate masculinity in a healthy way. Um, So when I was trying to apply for another job at the local um, campus pride center, so that's like the LGBTQIA plus resource center, um, I applied. I was a volunteer for a semester, so that's like three, four months. Um, And then I applied for a student assistant position. Um, I got an interview. I I did a phone interview first, and then I did an in-person interview, and then I didn't get the position. Um, And I was really hurt because I really wanted a safe space. I really needed a safe space. I really wanted an opportunity to just be myself and allow my identity to flourish at work because I knew that there was not an ability at that moment, at that time, um, where I could express myself openly and be more feminine. Um, I was experimenting a little bit more once I came out um, of the closet and I was still working there. Like I was able to like, you know, wear earrings or um, paint my nails. So like that was, that was fine. You know, the small things, very small, gradual things. But you know, I, I couldn't wear like feminine clothing or I didn't really use makeup that much in that setting. Like I was using makeup very sparingly or I was wearing it when I wasn't at work or the days that I wasn't working. I was being very purposeful and it wasn't because the environment wasn't super affirming. Like the folks were affirming. The folks are affirming. They are really respectful, inclusive, and they're really great allies. But the space, since it was a hyper-masculine space, since it was at a gym, it was at a student recreation center, there was a lot of masculinity there. And there was a lot of potential for harm and a lot of worry and a lot of concern. And I just didn't feel safe or comfortable because I haven't been out for so long. I I didn't have community as much so. And I didn't feel like I could do this on my own. Like I feel, I could not feel like I could step outside and be myself and have my own space. Like that was something I was still learning and I'm still learning that today, but today I have the confidence, the ability to believe in myself and my self-worth and not allow another person to dictate that worth, to not allow someone else's judgment or their comments or their words influence how I see myself. I can be offended. I can be upset. I can be upset and annoyed and really offended by something. But at the end of the day, I understand that that comment was that person. I understand that that comment is not me. And for a lot of people, a lot of queer people that are not out, a lot of queer people that don't have community or a lot of queer people that feel alienated by the LGBTQIA plus community, they don't always feel that they don't always feel that sense of validation. I mean, I was talking to someone who I haven't seen in years and who I still love and respect to this day. Um, It was hard for me because they were saying things where I knew that they were still processing. I knew that for them, 
the confidence in themselves is still growing. And although they have come so far, I can see that they have so much more potential. And it makes me so happy because it's just like, I'm happy that you are making it out. I'm happy that you can come out. I'm happy that you have a small community. And although you might not feel supported by all those people or might not feel connected to all those people, you still feel confident in yourself and you still know what you want. After I saw that person, like, I I was okay. And, like, if I see something or if I, if I hear something or if I want to reach out, I mean, I will. And we're friends. But that's why I do what I do. That's why I go to these events. That's why that local Santa Clarita event was so important to attend, was so important to go to because so many people don't have that. And every single day, no matter if it's 2019, if it's June, July, August, December, November, there's still going to be someone that wants that, that needs that. Those small things like connection. I think when I was reading a book by Brene Brown, um, Braving the Wilderness, and I was talking about vulnerability, a lot of these things, a lot of people feel disconnected. And that's why humanity could be that could be an argument for why humanity is the way that it is or the why that humanity is so jaded or why we feel lonely or why we feel depressed or why we don't feel connected is because we don't have an ability to just live. We have to process things. We have to categorize things. We have to understand things. We have to interpret things. We have to learn things. We have to unlearn things. And there's a lot of times when people that are in the community, they're always asked a question like, oh, in the perfect world, in a perfect world, in a perfect world, in a perfect world. It's like, shut the fuck up. I don't need to to answer that question. I don't need to answer that question because I don't give a shit about my perfect idea. What I give a shit is about people dying right now. What I give a shit is about real issues that are happening. When we look at detention, when we look at this, when I look at that family that was murdered, like we shouldn't care right now because, oh, that family is murdered. Like families, people have been murdered year after year for years. And just because this one instance happened, people are going to be like, oh my God, because it taps into some type of pity because those people are human. Anyone, like, it, it makes me so upset when people in the community, like, don't understand some basic thing and then they get offended where it's like, oh, why are we talking about this? Why can't we just meet ourselves and have our own book? Like, ugh. Like you're missing the point. Like the point is going over your head because the point is not, this isn't for you. This is for other people. Other people in the community that don't feel safe. You don't have to feel supported by the things that we do, but you can still support the people in the community by being an ally that way because we're all allies to everyone in the community because we don't all identify the same way. So that's why it's really important to have allies in the community and outside the community. So we can't just be like, oh, allyship is only for people outside the community because that's wrong. Because that's basically saying this, this is basically alienating them. Like, this is us, this is them. It's like, no, this is all of us. This is a collective problem. And just because people have personal experience doesn't mean they should care more than people that don't have personal experience because we all should care the same because every single human being is the same. When we boil it down, 
We're all the same people. We just experience life in different ways. We need to respect that and understand that and advocate for those who do not feel empowered, who are disempowered because society has told them no, or society has told them you're not enough, or society has told them you're lying because of who you are. You're lying because of this. You don't make sense because of this. You're confusing because you do this, because you're a joke because you do this. And we have to tell people, fuck that. (laughs) Break down the systems. Do all the shit that you need to do in order for people to feel affirmed. And so with that event, like it was really great and I want to go back and I want to continue to do programming. So our agency um, received a donation um, from a local queer business. um, And it was a good amount of money that a local nonprofit really needs to expand outreach. So the money is directly um, going to the community, um, so the LGBTQIA plus community, and that I don't know what the money is going to be used for right now. I Right now, I'm like the shareholder. You know, I'm the one that has control of the money, um, but I don't have final say on approval for the money. But I can have ideas and I can do meetings. Um, and so it's just really important that Um, you know, events like this continue. And so I'm really thankful that our organization got to receive some funding, um, some private funding from a queer business. So that was really great uh, to give back to the community, the local community. So I'm excited to see what I do with that money um, and excited to see how much change I'm able to um, generate in the community. Um, so though that was like, that was Dyke Day. That was, um, the pride picnic that I went to. So I really want to talk. I want to really talk now, um, about the LA LGBT March, you know, that was, okay. So perspective or just context, (laughs) not a perspective. It's like, it's context. Um, so I never attended the LA pride March before I wanted to, um, not last year, but two years ago, so 2017, um, I really wanted to, um, attend, really wanted to attend. I wasn't able to attend. Um, and that was really sad for reasons. Um, but I finally attended because I, for me, like back then I wanted to attend, um, the March because I needed that. I needed to feel affirmed. I needed to feel safe. I needed to feel protected. I needed to feel validated. I needed those things. You know, fast forward to 2019, and I don't need a lot of those things. Of course, I still want and need to feel validated every day. Like, that's still something that I'm working towards, but I can still find validation in myself, or I still have confidence in myself to be like, you know, you look like a fucking boss-ass bitch. You look fucking bomb, and I don't give a fuck if no one compliments you. I don't give a fuck if no one says that this is the best thing they've ever seen. Like, when I got my tattoo uh, back in March, I was visiting my friend, like, a like a week after I got my tattoo. So it was like fresh. It was a fresh tattoo. And it was my first tattoo. And like people at work were like, oh my God, that's fucking dope as shit. And I'm like, yeah, bitch, it is dope as shit. And then I go visit my friend in um, DC and no one, literally no one said anything. They were like, oh my God, cute tattoo. And I was like showing it, you know? I was wearing like crop tops. I was taking my shirt off. Like bitch could see my tattoo, but no one said anything. And I was like, typical, typical. But I knew but I knew in myself that I love my tattoo. Because for some people, if they are unsure about something or if they lack the 
the positive, you know, self-esteem, positive confidence in themselves to feel comfortable if they don't get that from other people and they don't get that from themselves, they don't get that from anywhere. So that's why sometimes when people do things for spur of the moment or like, do you, do you like my bangs or, or something like that? It's hard for people because they don't tell themselves every single day, like you look bomb, you look amazing, you look great. And for people in the community, it's hard because we don't have people like that always having our back or always saying those things. We might have really good friends that say that or do that. Those friends are fucking dope as shit and they're awesome. Don't fucking leave them. (laughs) Treat them with respect. Uh, Show up for them when they show up for you. All that stuff. Um, So with the march this year, I was able to march. I was marching with my friend, which didn't happen because they had a table, which I totally understand now, but it's just like in the moment, it's like you invited me to a march and then you didn't march with me. Like, what was the point of inviting me to march? And so I marched with their organization. I marched with some, you know, politicians and some uh, big people, you know, big people in government, Um, you know, city controller, the governor, all all these things, representatives from different districts, um, and it was great. You know, I got to got to see uh, the local representative for my district. I wasn't able to talk to her because super busy, you know, super popular, super well-known, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. So this time when I was marching, like, I felt, I, felt, I felt affirmed in, like, me being myself and having my own space and, like, waving the trans flag and, like, waving to people in the community, waving to young trans people. And, like, shout out to my friends. Shout out to my friends who was watching the march, who saw me, shouted my chosen name, um, cause we're going to talk about that. Um, who shouted my chosen name and like, I was so happy to see them and I gave them hugs and I said, I love you and all this stuff because I did, that was for them, you know, that was for them and that was for me. And like, I'm happy that I have community like that. Um, but what really, what really upset me was like my friend who I wanted to march with, like they used my dead name and it's just like. I didn't even use my dead name on the Evite when I RCP'd. I used my chosen name. So for him to use my dead name, it's like, you know my chosen name. We were we were running a queer organization in college together. You knew I changed my name to Lunex. And I know that it's hard for some people. It's like, oh, well, you used to use both or you used to like in certain spaces, you know, this or that. That's true. I'm not invalidating that. I'm just saying from this point on, you can call me Lunex. Like, that's not a bad thing. You can call me Lunex. And I thought, you know, making an Instagram post last year for my birthday with my name and saying like, this is my name. This is who I am. These are the pronouns that I use. I thought like, oh, that would be fine. I wouldn't need to come out. <laughs> Again, I was wrong. So that was really upsetting. I was like, oh, I'm a go- I want to go home. <laughs> uh, some people don't know that. Some people don't know that he dead named me. I just, I didn't want to bring it up. Cause I just, I, if I said it, it would be more of like, I would get overly validated and I just didn't need that. Cause I didn't have time or the capacity or the willingness to process what really my feelings were about that. Um, so when he did that, I was like, okay, that's a mess. And then he didn't march and I was marching basically by myself cause I didn't bring anyone cause it was just me. Cause I was like, oh, I'm with my friend. I, that's all I need. You know, I don't need 500 people. I just need my friend. My friend didn't show up for me and I was really upset. <laughs> so I marched, um, 
And one of the organizers of the club that I was marching with um, used the wrong pronouns. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I'm literally wearing buttons. I'm literally wearing identifier pins. Like, you can just look at my fucking shirt and you can see that it says they, them. And I was like, okay. So I marched. <laughs> I marched. When I finished marching, I walked myself to the fucking bus stop. Because I took the bus. Uh, walked myself to the bus stop. Took the bus. Took the train, you know. I took, like, the subway. Back to my car. Because <laughs> where, like, the ride and, like, the park and ride station was. And I went home. Because I was like, I'm done. Why did I do that? Why did I waste a Sunday? Why did I spend like five hours in the sun getting sunburned um, for someone who didn't even show up for me or use my chosen name? But then it's like, that's me personally, (laughs) why I wanted to go. But for other people that saw me, for other people that saw me march or saw me wave my flags or saw me be myself and have my own space, who saw me they were able to feel like, hey, it's possible. Hey, they are there. Hey, I see you. You're valid. All these things. Um, so that's really great. I feel like the march, I feel like, I feel like it, it meant more to a lot of people back in the day. But the LA march, it's just corporations. Like that's all that was marching. Like, there wasn't any, like, local um, organizations other than, like, like Translatina Coalition, but they were even, like, blacklisted from, like, the broadcast because it was broadcasted on ABC7. So, like, ABC7 didn't show them because they were being radical. And for ABC7, it's like, oh, no, we can't show that for our viewership. It's like, no, that's complicit and that's anti-LGBT um, because, again, LGBT movement was started by trans women of color, trans women of color, sex workers, you know, they're sex workers, but we're not going to acknowledge that, you know, we're just going to fucking sugarcoat it, rainbow it up for capitalism and be like, here's the vanilla version, repackage it and make money for your corporation. Um, So yeah, it was just corporations and like nothing wrong about that, but it's just like, can we just have people march? Like, I think we're forgetting, we're forgetting why it exists in the first place. Like why we have pride month, why we have a March because it's a protest. It's a riot. And it's like 50 years. It's been 50 years since the Stonewall riots. And for the LA March, it was just like walking, waving, being like, woo, woo, woo. That's it. That's all I did. That's all I did for like the hour and a half that I walked or whatever. Um, and I was just like, okay, and there was a separate stage. So there was like a parade route and then there was like a main stage and then local activists, like there was a trans woman of color, like a black trans woman talking about how trans people are being murdered, how, you know, Stonewall was a riot, how people are getting murdered in our community and we have to do more. And that was at the main stage. But if, if there was so much disconnect where it was like, okay, if you're just walking the parade, um, or if you're, you know, traveling through the parade because not everybody was walking because that's ableism. Um, if you were making your way through the parade, you would only experience one type of parade, you know, happy, woo, woo, yay, pride, yeah, happy pride month, happy pride month, happy pride month. Or you go to the main stage where activists are fighting and, and 
you know, advocating and speaking up about issues and making sure people are informed and engaging people and empowering people to do better, to do more for the community. And that's amazing. But we didn't get that. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't a connection. And I feel like that was a missed opportunity for organizers. But at the end of the day, when, you know, West Hollywood is just a bunch of like predominantly white people and it's predominantly like white cisgender um, men that are gay (laughs) or how they put it. I'm just gay. I'm not in the community or like, I don't identify as LGBT, but I'm gay. You know, all these things. Um, And like for, for those people, there's, there's some people that identify that way that don't support the community and that's wrong. But there's some people that don't identify in the LGBT community who are gay, but who support the community. And that's, that's, that's okay. You know, that's their process. And I respect that, you know, for someone to say like, I'm gay. Um, I don't feel supported in the LGBT community. So I don't feel a part of the community, but I support the community. That's awesome. I mean, that, that's you being an ally. Um, you know, that's personal reasons as to why, um, they might not like the community or they might not like certain parts of the community. And that's fine. Like everybody's entitled to their opinion. I mean, there's, there's people that are marginalized in like mainstream LGBT spaces. And so like those marginalized people don't feel supported. So there's like a, there's a local organization called, um, Queer Enough LA. Um, it's a grassroots organization that basically creates space for folks that feel marginalized or they don't feel LGBT enough, or they don't feel, um, comfortable being out or they're still questioning. So they're creating space for marginalized individuals, um, which is awesome. So for anyone that identifies as like any type of identity, but doesn't feel connected to the community, that's valid and that's okay. Like I, I respect that. And I'm not in any way, shape or form bashing those individuals. I'm just, I'm just upset and mad about the people that identify as one thing and then don't like the community or hate the community or don't support members of the community because there's people that identify that support trans people, that support people of color that support indigenous communities. And those people are fucking awesome. And then there's other people that don't do that. And they, they need to be like, fuck you, do more, like, be a better ally. Like, and for a lot of people, like people don't understand that. So yeah, that, those are my thoughts. <laughs> those were my thoughts on LGBT, like, um, pride March in LA. Um, I did finish Pride Month with Valley Pride, which is a local um, LGBT event that's held pretty much every year now. So it's like the fifth year that Valley Pride has like been in existence. And like the numbers weren't as big this year. I feel like probably just like the time and like st- other stuff, other events. But um, it was a good event. I always just feel disconnected with that event because I feel like the event is just like music, tabling, and people walking around. Like I don't, I don't feel like a sense of like connectiveness, unity. I I really want like, I think it's you need money. One, you need more money. <laughs> Two, I feel like we need to get more funding. I know when we look at funding historically, federal funding and state funding, federal funding there seems to be less LGBT funding. And then when you look at state funding for certain things, there's more LGBT funding than other parts of the LGBT funding for like state. Um, yeah. So I think like 
it was a good event. Like I was able to engage with the community. Um, I was able to, you know, help people in the community, talk to people in the community that was engaging, that was thoughtful, but I feel like it just wasn't enough. I feel like I, I'm such a perfectionist and I just want everything to be amazing. And when I organize something or when I want to do something, I want it to be amazing. And I know it's not always going to be amazing. I understand that that's the ideal. And the ideal is unattainable. There's always going to be something wrong. There's always something we could do better. There's always something we can improve upon. But I feel like since I was tabling last year at Valley Pride, I feel like last year's Valley Pride was way better than this year's Valley Pride from a tabling perspective, because I feel like last year the community was able to engage more with our table, was able to resource more. And it wasn't like what we were doing. It's just like the people, the environment, the the way that the event was organized this time around. Because last year there was a lot more like local organizations. There was a lot more families that went. This year it was just like a bunch of like random people. And Although that's not bad, it's just it wasn't the same community. And I feel like maybe Valley Pride next year will have to really look at like how to mobilize community members to show up to this event, to create the event that they want to create. Um, but I think something that I really want to highlight that one of my coworkers and I like came up with. So one part of our activity was like allowing folks to write letters to survivors. Um, these are affirming letters. These are letters of like support, acceptance, validation, all these things. So people were writing letters to folks anonymously. And then there was other letters that I worked on with my intern, basically creating like affirmative quotes for folks. Um, so like quotes like love or talking about love, talking about hope, talking about body positivity, talking about self ex- self-esteem, talking about acceptance, um, Oh, self-esteem was confidence, sorry. So acceptance, confidence, hope, love, and body positivity. And all of these messages were in English and in Spanish um, because, again, the community that we serve is English and Spanish as well as other languages, but primarily, predominantly English and Spanish populations. And so we were able to give out some Spanish cards. We were able to um, give out some affirming quotes in Spanish to folks. Um, we were able to give out affirming quotes in English to folks. Um, my coworker was engaging with folks that uh, spoke Spanish uh, because I don't speak Spanish yet. I My Spanish is very minimal. I'm like learning and I'm trying to get better at it every day. And like I know some phrases or some words or some things. So I know in like a couple of years I'll be probably conversational, which is great because I really want to get to that point in my life. Um, but to the folks that I was able to communicate with and was able to give a card and like tell them like, so tell the, tell me what that says. What does that say? And then they say it. And then I'm just like, how did that make you feel? And they're like, I felt, I felt amazing. Like, yes, like this, this is it. The one person was like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm like, Exactly. And so I think it was really amazing that we were able to do that and we were able to connect with people on a meaningful way. Like me and my coworker, we were driving back from a community meeting for like LGBT domestic violence. Um, and we were just talking about how do we engage the community in a meaningful way other than like, here's our services, here are, here's our pamphlet, call. Because we expect so much of people and we don't give people anything in return other than here's stuff, here's all that things, like bye, good luck. 
but we were able to give people things that were meaningful, that were personal, that were important to them, that connected with them. And that's amazing. That's why Pride events are so important. That's why events are so important because we need to be able to connect and engage and talk to people with humanity, with respect, and be able to connect with them. Connectiveness, that's what makes humanity grow. So those are really great things. Um, I'm going to shift the conversation now um, just to talk about like some things that I noticed on social media that was like LGBT related um, that I just want to highlight or talk about. And then I'll talk about Animal Crossing. (laughs) I promise. And then like other stuff that I saw. Um, So this one is really, really great. So it's talking about body positivity. So it says male body image issues are important. I feel like we don't talk about that enough in the community. Um, It's something that's so um, high stakes. I feel like, I feel like people, because I'm, you know, male body. I have a male body. Um, and I have a lot of body issues. And I know people that have male bodies that have body issues. And I know people that have self-esteem issues. And I know that's rooted also with their gender identity, um, if they identify as male. So, like, people that have uh, body image issues, they aren't just women. They're people of all identities, of all bodies. And so it's just, like... I really wanted to highlight this as like male body image issues are important because they affect me and they affect so many people that I know. So that was um, just something to remember. I think a lot of this month I had really conflicting feelings. I was depressed for a little bit. I was listening to like Adele, Sam Smith, um, and Lord on repeat, like nonstop for like a whole week. And I was really sad and depressed. Um, about stuff. And I was just, I just had a lot to process. Also my health right now is like so-so. I made a doctor's appointment. (laughs) I haven't made a doctor's appointment in like two and a half years. Um, I just had a really bad experience with the doctor. The last time I went to the doctors, Uh, it was in a last, it was like in a recent podcast episode talking about that and like my experience in like the medical care industry. Um, And so like my health isn't the best right now, but I made an appointment. So next month I'm going to go to the doctors, take some tests, see what I need to do and find out what's wrong. Um, but looping back to like mental illness and like depression and like thoughts that are hard. So when hard feelings come up, remember I have the right to feel my feelings. I don't have to defend them. All my feelings are okay. Even angry and painful ones. No one can tell me what I should feel, including me. What I'm feeling will pass. My feelings have value and intelligence. Allowing myself to feel and share my emotions are healthy. So that's by Mark Groves. Um, Just wanted folks to think about that, to remember that. Um, There's another thing that I this is all my Instagram story, by the way. So if you want to follow me on Instagram and just get some like doses of self-care, acceptance, positivity, hope, um, healthy boundaries, healthy techniques, healthy coping skills, um, follow me on Instagram. I post on my Instagram story daily. Um, and then I might take like a day or two off just cause I'm like, ah, social media or like, ah, I'm busy. So six things you should never settle on. One, your boundaries. Two, your worth. Three, 
how you live. Four, what you want. Five, your health. And number six, relationships. I know. Deep. <laughs> um, so I think that's really important to remember. Um, and one last thing that I want to share for like self-care and like just looking at the community and just realizing like, hey, your feelings are valid. So I posted this, um, what was it, yesterday? Yeah, I posted this yesterday. Some people responded well to this. Um, so reasons to cry it out. It's a stress reliever. It's a mood regulator. It releases toxins. It's a pain reliever. It lowers blood pressure. It's also a sleep aid. I think a lot of people have been told for a long time, don't show your feelings. Keep your feelings in. Don't talk about your feelings. It's like, no, your feelings exist for a reason. Feel your feelings. Don't let anyone stop you from feeling your feelings. Um, and I just want to end like Pride Month with like something really cool that I did. So I collaborated with one of my coworkers and uh, they love to bake. So, and I love to bake. So they know that I love to bake. Um, so they found some stuff from Michael's that was like Pride uh cupcake holders and like pride flags and then she was like well it would be a cool idea for both of us to bake and like use these materials and I was like uh yes totally let's do that and so we set up like a day for her to bake and a day for me to bake so she baked on Monday and her uh cupcakes were funfetti with uh different colored frosting and so that's what that's what they did. Their cupcakes were amazing. They were um, really great. Um, and then my cupcakes, uh, I made some changes, some artistic changes. But what ended up happening was I had two types of cupcakes. I had one set of cupcakes were that were solid colors of the, the rainbow. So each cupcake would be a different color. And then I had strawberry frosting. That was pink um, because, you know, femme. I want to be high femme. And then I used rainbow sprinkles with, like, the cup and the flag. So that's one of them. And that symbolizes, like, people in the community that are out and that are proud and that have the ability and the capacity to be who they are all the time, 100%. And then the other set of cupcakes that I made, um, there was a metaphor. <laughs> I'd say, quote-unquote, fake deep. Um, so my other cupcakes, I basically was baking them and then I stopped baking them, put food coloring inside the cupcake so that way the inside of the cupcake was a different color than the outside. And so by doing that, you know, it created this like cocoon or this concealed identity or this quote unquote closeted identity. So when people look at the cupcake, oh, it might have pink frosting and it might have rainbow sprinkles, but oh, maybe they're an ally or maybe they don't identify in the community. I don't know. And then you bite into the cupcake and then you see their identity. You see them for who they are. And so I made those cupcakes to just symbolize like people that aren't out, people that will never be out, people that don't want to come out, people that are too scared to come out, people that realize, hey, it's not safe for me to come out. So I'm going to just be myself on the inside. And I know who I am on the inside. I mean, some people don't know who they are on the inside, but um, the, that's who I made the cupcakes for. Like, 
and it was cute explaining that and telling my coworker, the one that I collaborated with, she was really happy about that. And then I shared it with my other coworkers. Um, and then I shared it to one of my coworkers and then my coworker explained it to another coworker. And it was just really great because I was like, ooh, transferring stuff, the knowledge, we're sharing knowledge. I love it. I love it. Um, so that was amazing. Uh, so that's, that's all that I have to say about rainbow capitalism. If you have other thoughts about rainbow capitalism, um, or other stuff you want to talk about, just basically just send me a direct message, um, on social media. So that's like Instagram or just send me a voice memo on like anchor, um, however you feel comfortable. All right. All right. We got to the most important thing of our thing today. (laughs) And that's really talking about Animal Crossing New Leaf coming for the Nintendo Switch. So Animal Crossing New Horizons, um, the trailer dropped, you know, a little bit ago on the 11th of June. Check it out. So Animal Crossing New Leaf is coming to the Switch March 20th, 2020. And oh my gosh. Oh my God. I even have a YouTube video about self-care or whatever and like what I like to do or whatever. And Animal Crossing is in there. Animal Crossing is in there. Uh, Some Animal Crossing New Leaf recorded material. Um, But I'm really, 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 really really excited. Um, I know people in the LGBT community are super excited too because Animal Crossing has a huge like queer... Um, following. So that's fucking amazing. I'm really, really sad that it's not coming out in 2019, but that's okay. More reason as to why 2020 is my year of actualization. So actualization, um, and because that's awesome. Because you know, 20, 2019 is just like realization, conceptualization, but 2020, that's when we're actually doing the shit. You know, we're doing the shit. We're, we're going down, we're topping down. What's not, what's not clicking? That's right, 2019, because 2020, solid connection. Um, so I'm really, really excited um, because Animal Crossing is a game franchise that helped me fall in love with myself, helped me fall in love with just like, video games, like casual video games. I feel like a lot of people don't always give like casual video games like credit or they don't like casual video games. And like the community for like gamers are like, you have to be a professional gamer. You have to be a serious gamer. It's like, no, I just want to be a casual gamer and I just want to decorate my house and I just want to like go fishing and like go fossil hunting and like talk to my neighbors and like get out of my clinical depression and my anxiety, my social anxiety. Um, So yeah, what's up? Um, But Animal Crossing... I have been playing that game since the DS version, um, Animal Crossing Wild World, when I was a child. Um, I was playing with one of my friends who was like a younger sibling to an older sibling who was playing baseball with my older brother. And so like we would always play Animal Crossing whenever our older siblings were playing baseball um, or soccer or whatever sport it was. And we were always playing Animal Crossing and we were like visiting their each other's towns. And like th- th- people like, if you don't know what Animal Crossing is, like, watch my video or like, I don't know, go buy Animal Crossing, but the new one. Um, so basically Animal Crossing, the 
older versions of Animal Crossing is like, you're a new resident of this town that's controlled by animals, and you're the only human, and you basically build your house, and you pay off your mortgage to Tom Nook, and you go into debt, and then you buy furniture and clothes for your your avatar, and then you go fishing, and then you have an encyclopedia for fishing, um, bugs, and like fossils, and then you also can collect like these cute little... um, animatronic. I always mispronounce how they're supposed to be said, but those things. Um, so it's just like a really fun casual game and like the music is ugh, amazing. The graphics have been amazing. Um, and I just love all the villagers. All the villagers have like different personalities. So some villagers are like really sweet. Some villagers are lazy. Some villagers are mean. Some villagers are grumpy. Some villagers are sad. You know, all these things. And like different animals, you know, like pandas, bears, dogs, cats, like, you know, hamsters. Uh, I think there was like a clown that no one liked. <laughs> um, but this new game is really changing the franchise, flipping the franchise on its head. So in the last installment for Animal Crossing New Leaf, um, you were the mayor. So that was something completely different to the franchise. And you were the mayor of the town. Instead of um, Tortimer being the mayor, who was a, a turtle, or a tortoise, I think he was a tortoise. Let's get scientific here. Um, he was a tortoise named Tortimer. And so now you're the mayor for Animal Crossing New Leaf, and you basically can build public works projects. And so those are like fountains or new town, the new town hall, or you can build bridges, or you can build like, you know, benches, water fountains, fire hydrants, all this stuff. So like that was a cool expansion. So you were able to, you know, take control of the, the, the village basically and like build it little bit here and there because you still can't like you know move people's houses or you still can't move rocks or trees or you kind of you can replant them but like you'll get a base game and then you can build off the base game and so like a recent update um was welcome amiibo so they would use amiibos where you can like scan in their amiibo cards and then you would get their furniture so the new update was like a campsite because you know animal crossing pocket camp for like mobile came out so they had Animal Crossing, like, um, new Amiibo before Pocket Camp. And so, basically, like, it was a campsite at your village. And then, like, different people would come in and you can buy their furniture and different um, different items at their, like, local shop was there. And you would buy it using tickets. And then, like, how to get tickets is, like, you do certain things and then you get a certain amount of tickets. Like, oh, I have to collect five fossils or I have to collect... 20 butterflies, or I have to do this to get that. And so that was like a new update. And so with this new installment of Animal Crossing um, New Horizons is that Tom Nook basically has like a deserted island getaway package where you get to travel to a deserted island. And now that is your island. You're still going to go into debt. I mean, you're still going to have a house, but you can put your house anywhere. You can put your house anywhere. You can pick up your house and you can move it. You can put it on the beach. We were never able to do that. You were never able to put your house on the beach itself. So now you can do that. You can put your house on the beach. You can pick up everything. Like you can pick up a whole ass tree and you can just move it. And you can place your furniture. So in the old games, you can only place the furniture that you bought inside your house. But now, this new game, you can place furniture outside. Like, what? What? And also, also another thing that Animal Crossing New Leaf has. Animal Crossing New Leaf 
skin tones. Oh, oh. Thank God, because I, I was so tired of being a white person in that game. Finally, we have skin tones. Skin tones and hair textures. You can actually see the hair move and stuff. Um, I'm excited to, like, um, the clothes. It's always been, like, super inclusive. Even though they would have, like, really problematic comments. Like, if I was a quote-unquote boy in the video game, like if I had a male body, and then I would buy a dress, they would be like, oh, are you buying that as a present? I'm like, no, bitch, I'm buying, like, for someone else. I'm like, no, bitch, I'm buying this for myself. I'm wearing this. I'm wearing this out. So that was, like, inclusive that you were able to do that, but then it wasn't, like, super inclusive because of the comments. So I'm hoping that they don't, excuse me, they don't have those comments. But, I mean, it's a Japanese, excuse me, sorry. It's a Japanese game. Um, and so I know, like, that culture isn't always, like, LGBT-affirming, but I know Nintendo is, so I don't know if they're, like, catering to their fan base or if they're catering to other things. So, there's that. So you can place furniture anywhere on the island. Um, it's going to be a deserted island, so that's new. We've never lived on an island before. We've only lived on, like, a town connected to, like, a car or, like, a main street or, like, a city hall type thing or, like, a town. Like, a, like city folk was connected to a city using a bus. Um, that was a terrible port of... <laughs> um, yeah, that, we don't talk about city folk. Let's just, let's just not talk about that. Um, so that was... So that's cool. So you're going to be a deserted island. There's like a plane that we don't know if you can use the plane, but I'm thinking you can use the plane to travel to other people's islands or like maybe possibly travel to like a shopping center or something. I don't know. I mean, we didn't really like how city folk, like you would always have to take a bus and it just feels so disconnected. So like New Leaf, you had all the the shops on site on the town. So I'm hoping that the plane is only just used to like travel to like other islands or like another island, kind of like how there was an island in the other games. So like there was an island um, called like Tortimer's Island and Tortimer's Island is like where all like the expensive fish are, um, like all the sharks that were really expensive or like all the beetles that were super expensive that you would use to like basically hoard them all. And then you would pay off your debt faster. Um, they also had like mini games that you could play with like your friends or by yourself. You can use those like little shells that you would get little points to like buy exclusive items from the, um, from the island. So like the mermaid collection was like the exclusive furniture set, but then you can buy like snorkels and bathing suits, um, and like a wetsuit to like deep dive to get the deep dive encyclopedia so there was like bugs fish and then deep sea creatures yeah all the whole thing um so with new horizon you'll have a plane so i don't know if that plane is going to travel just to other people's islands or also travel to tortimer's island and hopefully 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 tortimer's island does get like an increase of like stuff to do or things to do because i mean i love the mini games i love it but I mean, like I played that game for like over two years, pretty much, and I was playing the same mini games. And I'm like, okay, six months in, I don't really want to play these mini games. And then I'll wait, and then I'll play the mini games, and then I'll stop, and then I'll do it again. You know, repeat the cycle. Um, but I love Animal Crossing. Like it is my favorite franchise of all time. Like oh my god, I am like a diehard fan. I cried, I cried when Animal Crossing New Leaf in Japan had an exclusive Animal Crossing skin. Like the 3DS was Animal Crossing themed and I died and I wanted that so bad. America did not get it. So please, Nintendo, please, please, please give America and everyone else, not just America, but like not just Japan, but everyone else, you know, Brazil, Mexico, you know, all the whole world, the globe, please give us 
Animal Crossing specific Switch consoles because I, well, as a bundle, like an Animal Crossing Switch console, a plushie with like a fuck it, an amiibo, um, then the game, like I would, th- I would die. I would, I would cry. Like I'm freaking out right now, conceptualizing that. But if, if I literally, if I literally, if I literally have that in my hand, I will cry. <laughs> I will start. I will literally cry like in the store. I will purchase it and I will just be on the floor in the fetal position, holding it and crying. And my, my dreams have been, have been met. You know, I have lived so I can die. You know that saying I have lived. So now I can die. I don't want to die. I don't play the game, but you know what I mean? So honestly, 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 amazing. Honestly, amazing. Um, so other stuff in Animal Crossing, um, so they'll do, instead of, like, you buy an item or you, fur, you know, all that stuff, like, back in the day, like, they would already have furniture items and you would just pay. So this new game is really looking at crafting. And probably because, you know, Minecraft was a thing and it's a 10-year anniversary and, like, you know, Minecraft and, like, Fortnite and all these things are fun because you have to build things. You get to do things. You can't just, like, pay money and get stuff. So every piece of furniture you have to craft. You have to craft using local resources. But also it's on brand. It's also on brand because it's a deserted island. Deserted islands, you have to use the local resources. Also, you need to make sure that you use the resources sustainable, making sure that you do not plummet, plummet or like colonize, colonize or completely destroy, destroy the island or the, the ecology of the island. You need to make sure. I mean, this is just a video game, but like you can't just be like, oh, cool. I'm just going to chop down all these trees, but not replant them. You need to make sure that the species or the material or this or that or that are sustained. If you use them, you make sure to replant them, to reuse, to like make sure that they are sustainable. So don't take more than you give them. It's always this mutual relationship. It's not just a one-sided relationship where one person is benefiting because it's about mutual benefits. So that's wild, girl. Crafting everything. Like, I'm going to have to craft an axe. I'm going to have to craft a shovel. I'm going to have to craft a slingshot. I'm going to have to craft a chair, a bed, a TV. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do that with wood, but go off. Um, But yeah, I'm excited to see that, like, crafting feature. I'm excited to see all the shops. I'm excited to see Isabel again. I'm excited to see if there's, like, a new cast of characters. Because, um... I do want to make a mention, Mr. Rossetti, uh, there was like this whole debate of like, oh my God, Mr. Rossetti, like, did he lose his job? And we we're like freaking out, you know, like, hello, he, he has a family. Um, because with Animal Crossing on the 3DS or the DS, um, it didn't have autosave. The Wii didn't have autosave either. So there was no autosave feature, meaning that you needed to save your game. So with Mr. Rossetti, if you... Forget to save your game. If you're if you lose electricity, um, or if you basically just restart and not save, he'll come up and he'll be like, "Bitch, save!" 
you know, you need to save. Stop being an asshole. Save people's lives. Say you need to fucking save. I've said you save. You save your thing. And he like literally berates you. He belittles you. He makes you feel like shit. But you save because you don't want to go through a ten minute conversation with an NPC yelling at you. And all you have to do is take it because that's fucked up and abusive. So now with the autosave feature, he will no longer be doing that. Meaning, Mr. Rossetti will have a new job. So we don't know what his job is. We don't know what his new job is. But I'm hoping it's not to yell at us. Probably will be, though, because that's his brand. So that's wild. I'm just, I'm just excited because I want to I play Animal Crossing. I love Animal Crossing. Um, so that was amazing. I just, I just can't. I just can't like fathom the idea of like Animal Crossing physically being in my hands. Um, so I am just so, 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 so happy that that's a thing. So 2020, you know, that's my year of, of New York. That is my year of living my best life. And that is the year that I'm going to play Animal Crossing. I'm going to be really poor though, because March is when Animal Crossing comes out and I'm hoping to be moved like over to New York and hoping to find a job like January, February time. So that means like I'll just be moved out. I'll probably just have to pay my first last month and security deposit. Probably have to buy furniture. So I'm going to be like in debt, but then I'm going to be more in debt because of Animal Crossing. And I'm here for it. Like I'm here for that. I'm here for that. I don't, I'm not mad about that. I'm not mad about that at all. Um, I did want to say, however, in June, uh, there was a lot of amazing things, but I just want to highlight one thing um, that I noticed. So on Wednesday, June 19th, lawmakers passed um, Assembly Bill A2707 in New York. So basically, the state of New York has banned um, the gay and trans panic defense in murder cases. Now, what does that specifically mean? Um, so A2707, which prohibits defendants from using a victim's sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression as a defense in a criminal case. Gay panic or trans panic defenses are used when a defendant attempts to justify violence, meaning that they justified murdering that person, and in some cases murder or like hate or like abuse um, or assault or stuff like that, by arguing that finding out a victim's sexuality or gender identity or gender expression caused them temporary insanity, meaning that because they found out, oh my God, I'm fucking so upset and I'm going to kill you, and now that's justified. So New York has banned this defense. This is a big win you know, against systematic homophobia, transphobia in New York, um, and we hope that other states follow um, also in New York, I think they banned plastic bags. I think they, cause they, I read an article that they like followed California, um, in banning plastic bags. So that's freaking awesome. Um, also the state of New York has now addressed, well, not now, but meaning that they are addressing climate change and they're basically telling people like, Hey, we need to do more. We need to do way more for climate change because this is our world. This is our, you know, society and we're going to die if we don't do anything about it. Um, also the Cal State University Northridge system mysteriously, um, I guess they were hoarding $1.5 billion. Um, I guess a mysterious like $1.5 billion was found in an audit and the Cal State is saying that it's nothing wrong. They did nothing wrong. So 
this is an article by the LA Times. So, Cal State University Northridge hoarding uh, $1.5 billion surplus, hiding it from legislators and students while threatening to hike tuition unless the state uh, ponies up more money. I'm like, what? You have $1.5 billion and you're asking the state for more money, but you're raising tuition? Like, where's that $1.5 billion going? What are you doing with that $1.5 billion? Like, so is that what's happening? Or is like, so the article is saying, or is Cal State um, system just soaking away money in a rainy day, using it for a one-time need, such as building projects? So like, but they didn't disclose like what they were going to do. So I guess they were doing, uh, I guess the $1.5 billion as of last June was from excessive tuition revenue, um, but they didn't come clean about it, and they didn't talk about it, so yeah. So I, it's just kind of fishy. It's like the university system is like asking for more money, but they have money, so it's like, why is the money not available? Why can't we use it? And like, apparently, the money is can be used to like support the institution um, or the operating costs. But it's like the governor Jerry, uh, governor Gavin Newsom, basically said, and other legislative leader leaders said, by failing to disclose the surplus, the chancellor Timothy White. Um, the chancellor's office has prevented legislators and students from evaluating CSU's needs in light of its unexpected financial resources, meaning that the system didn't tell the students or the legislators, hey, we have this money. So then the students or the legislators are like, oh, well, we can't fight for things or we can't do things because we don't know where the money's coming from. But if legislators or students were told, hey, this is where the money is coming from, we can do something, then students and legislators and faculty would feel more like empowered to be like, hey, we have $1.5 billion. We can do so much with this money. We can help the system grow. So that's what Governor um, Newsom is saying. Like, hey, you didn't say anything. We couldn't fight for things because we didn't know. But this is just, this just reminds us all, reminds us all to fight for things. Even if we don't have the money, even if we don't have the plan, it's important to fight for things because if more people want to fight for things, then we can find the money. We can do it. We can say, I mean, look at, look at the cathedral that burned and it raised billions of dollars, but Flint, Michigan doesn't have clean water. Or, you know, um, what is something else that I can acknowledge? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, it's been a long day, but um, there's just a lot of shit. Even when we look at like trans women and like trans women of color that are sex workers, we look at just trans people in general, and we look at like non-binary people and people in poverty that are in the community or not. Like they're struggling, they need help. And I know like this system isn't always designed for folks, but it's like these systems account for folks that are homeless or folks that are experiencing homelessness. So it's like, why can't we use the one point five billion dollars and help people with like you know? health disparities, when we look at income disparities, when we look at poverty, when we look at health concerns, when we look at housing concerns, when we look at, you know, resources, foods, everything, we need to make sure that these students are well protected. So I think it's just wild um, that the university just didn't say anything. 
Like the university system didn't say anything. And it's just like, bro, what are you doing? What are you doing with that money? Um, another video game that I'm like, I don't know how to feel at this point. I, I guess like Cyberpunk 2077 is like, it's a game that I really want to play. And like, I've been looking forward to it for a while and I'm excited for it. But I don't know some of the stuff, like, I don't know if it's transphobic. I don't know if it's like anti-LGBT. Like there was an ad that posted, um, that was basically like an in-game ad about this like energy drink. And this person was, I don't know how they identified, but they had masculine features, um, feminine features, and then male anatomy, um, lower male anatomy. And like people were saying like, oh, that's like them trying to like make fun of trans people because the ad was saying mix it up. And then there was like 16 flavors and I'm just like, mix it up like, that's like a that's a person but their identity like it's basically saying like oh you're trans but you also have like mixed parts that don't go with a woman or don't go with a man it's like no that's a woman that woman has a penis uh no that's a man that man has a vagina move on so i don't know because representatives from the company are are saying things but they're not saying things like concretely so i don't know if it's transphobic i don't know if the company's anti-lgbt i don't know so i can't definitively support it right now nor do I, I don't think I will support it um, financially if it is confirmed that they're, you know, anti-trans. I mean, they did make a thing on Twitter where they posted um, something saying like, oh, did you just like assume my gender joke? Basically saying like they were poking fun at people who say that. And they're basically poking fun at like, oh, I'm making fun of people because they get so offended because they're so worried about their identity. And they're like, oh, did you just assume my gender? Like, they're making fun of it. It's like, no, this is a real thing. Like I deserve to be validated. So like making a joke like that is basically saying like, you don't need to say that, like invalidating people in the community. So it's like, fuck you. Um, so again, I don't know. I don't know what to believe with this, with this case. So I don't know, but for sure, Animal Crossing 10 out of 10, love it. We'll support. (laughs) And with that, um, I'm going to wrap up the episode. I've been talking for a really long time and I feel like it's really time for me to go, you know? Um, so I think with that, folks, I'm going to head out. Um, it was fun. I had fun, but it's time. It's time for me to go, you know, bid myself adieu. So with that being said, like, I just thank everyone for listening to my podcast. Again, you can connect with me on Instagram with Queer Radio Pod or Lunex Dragato on Instagram. Um, I just want to continue to engage this community and continue to engage people that are listening to my content or sharing my content or experiencing my content. I know in the future, I do want this show to be um, a visual show. So I, I do want to make sure that this show is accessible to the deaf and hard of hearing community. Um, so I want to acknowledge that community. Uh, just waiting to get more resources, you know, like I'm moving to New York and I don't have a lot of resources. This podcast doesn't make me money. Um, so it's just really important um, to just spread the word. Uh, I do have ads on this show, but I make pennies. <laughs> Uh, for every listen, I make pennies. Uh, so far, this podcast has been up and running, and I've had ads, and I've only made a dollar and like 50 cents. So it's really important to just share this content because, again, it might not be June for Pride Month, but it's Pride Month 365 days a year. So that means supporting queer owned businesses, supporting black owned businesses, supporting people that are marginalized. So support my content, share my content. 
and help me help those in the community by advocating, by raising awareness, and by spreading correct information, you know, provide that education for folks that might not always feel like they can access information like that. And also I want to connect people to community. I know how people feel when they feel like they don't belong or they feel like they don't have a community to go to. So with that being said, um, take care of yourselves and I'll check back when I can. Thank you so much for listening to Queer Radio. It's been Lunix. Thanks. Bye.